0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for black women by black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety Too. I'm your host, Ashley, and this is the podcast where we come together to talk about mental health, uh, destigmatizing mental health within the Black community, and creating conversations and bringing education to light. So uh, today we have a special guest, and her name is
1: Dejiana. Welcome to the
0: show, Dejiana.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yes, yes, I'm happy that you are here as well. I uh, was fortunate enough to be connected with Deja from from Laura over at IPMDD, and um, she connected us. Mind you, Laura is in London. I'm in Florida right now, and she's like, "I have this awesome person. Like, you have to meet her. She would be perfect for the show." So we get on a phone call, and you know, we're just talking, and she tells me that she's in Vegas. So uh, then I'm like, okay, she's in Vegas, but maybe she's like one of these transient people that live in Vegas that go for like a year or two and then they leave. Turns out we grew up in the same city, right down the street from each other.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, like so Vegas.
0: (laughs) Yes, um, we know a lot of the same people from growing up. So yeah, it's crazy how small the world is. Like who would have thought I had to go talk to somebody in London for us to connect?
1: Dope. <laughs> Dope, so cool. But so, so glad good. to be here. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yes, yes, I'm super glad you're here too. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, of course, where you're from. We know where you're from now, but kind of like what you're doing now. And then, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about yourself.
1: Okay, yeah. So, of course, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm 30 years old. Uh, currently, I have a job with our school district. I'm a computer technician. Um, Outside of that, I'm in school to be a medical esthetician. Um, Those reasons are focused around polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is something we're going to talk about. I'm the oldest of nine. I like music. I have PMDD and polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I'm pretty unique as well. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. Very unique. And we will definitely get into that in this episode. But Question I want to ask you, just a kind of little icebreaker, what is the last gift that you gave someone?
1: It was a weighted blanket.
0: I love a weighted blanket. I have a
1: weighted blanket. It's like 20 pounds. Yes, yes. Twenty pound weighted blanket. That's what I gave. Um, the gal happened to have some issues with stress and anxiety, and as much as I like to be there for myself, um, I find that I can't be there for everybody. So that was my gift to her: is a big hug all the time. Oh,
0: I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I found out about weighted blankets like two years ago, and I'm obsessed. I literally oh. got it in the mail. And then I went to go, actually came up here to Tampa where my friend was, I had slept with it all week before the trip and I brought mm-hmm. this 20 pound blanket. I think she thought I was a little bit <laughs> obsessed, but I was like, yo, I'm so anxious. My anxiety's stupid high. I've got to drive yeah. from Miami to Tampa. I brought this blanket and I slept on like this huge California blow up bed in her living room. And mm-hmm. she was like, why is your bag so heavy? <laughs> like, it's the anxiety blanket like you have to try this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
0: everybody that was out there on that trip tried it and they're like, oh my gosh, this really works. Like it, the weight actually just like kind of makes you stay still. It like prevents all this anxious fidgeting that I do.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's kind of like whatever is on the surface, it's like just weighing it down.
0: Yes, yes. and not so- in
1: a way that it's weighing you down, but it's like comfort. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Do you use um, a weighted blanket?
1: Yes. Um, I, it hasn't been long since I've had it. I think I got it last Christmas, but it's been the best part of sleep for me when I cannot or when it's uncomfortable. Um, I fight with my wife about it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, it's so like mine stays at the foot of my bed and then my husband just knows if I grab it, then, you know, I'm going to be completely like in a cocoon for the day so
1: (laughs) for the night I I love it I love it
0: so I know that you like I said we got connected through Laura over at IPMDD and Mm -hmm. um I know that they mentioned you are like a big part of their patient advocacy system and I want to talk a little bit about um what does PMDD mean to you like when when you talk to people about it how do you describe premenstrual dysphoric disorder for anybody that doesn't know out there?
1: Oh, how do I describe it? I mean, um, it's kind of like PMS on steroids. So, um, a lot of doctors kind of get that part of it confused or like, oh, it's just PMS, but it's not, it's so much more than that. And, um, IAPMD helped me to basically have enough paperwork to be able to go to a doctor and say, here are the symptoms versus pulling out a cell phone, or it gave me a place to feel like I'm not alone because they have support groups. Um, I never thought I would be a part of the patient insight panel, but it's amazing because now I have a voice within their platform. And that means something to me because me alone I can only do so much with a hashtag, but them putting us in front of scientists and researchers and things like that, amazing. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a part of the PIP, which is the Patient Insight Panel. So I'm just a part of the lived experience.
0: Awesome, that's so needed and so necessary, especially for people that look like us to be in those spaces um, and can, you know advocate from our own experiences, which oftentimes are very different than everybody else's experience.
1: Yes, this is true. This is true. Um, So one of the most difficult things that I experienced recently, um, we did a research roundtable. There were seven members of the PIP and there's about 20, I believe. And um, being the Black girl, they did, you know, ask if I could speak to our injustice or our disparities. And it was a hard thing to want to do because In America, they see us as stronger than we would desire to be seen as. Um, Women are pretty and soft (laughs) and things like that. So things that I read were just really mind-blowing and just us relying on prayer and prayer fixes all. And it's really not that. Like We have a different support system that may be above, but we also have people that we love and we want to be good for them as well. So that part was really really hard and eventually i'll have to face that and speak out on it but i wanted to be more strategic with better research yeah definitely yeah
0: i I can see it i can see how how that would happen um Hmm. and why that's important to just um also just are you the only black woman on the panel
1: no i think i saw at least three or four other faces okay Yeah. Yes. So we're always in small numbers. If it's not like something that's built by a black woman, I believe, but still nonetheless, such an honor to be amongst these women that share this diagnosis.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So talk to me about, um, when you first got diagnosed with PMDD and what, um, you know, what that looked like when you, you know, when you first got diagnosed.
1: Um, So I recently got officially diagnosed um, last year in 2020. uh, What it looked like. Um, So this is only a diagnosis with my therapist. So if you don't know, your therapist can diagnose you, your psychotherapist can diagnose you. Um, OBGYNs can have an idea of something, but Uh, During the diagnosis in 2020, I basically scheduled an appointment where I was raging and having issues with my partner, um, which is um, some of the things that you go through with PMDD. Um, And then I scheduled an appointment where I had passed my luteal phase and entered menses, and he was blown away. And so much so that I was so calm. And he's like, I really think that you have, and he went on the computer and he Googled something. And he said, PMDD. And I said, I've been telling you that for two years. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it took for me to do those appointments and him to see the light and the day. I mean, very intelligent, regardless of what, but I'm just real sensitive when I'm going through my raging PMDD. So it was it was a very monumental moment for me. I'm still working on other people identifying me and validating that it is PMDD because with my psych right now, I'm going through an issue where he's classified me as bipolar. So that's been hard to deal with.
0: And was the bipolar diagnosis before PMDD? Is that something that was a while back or was that recent? And is that now trying to be changed to be more accurate?
1: It was in the midst of, honestly. Um, in, in 2018, I was um, admitted to a psych ward. So once I was released from that hold that I was on, because um, it was just like an out-of-body experience. They were calling it mania. They were saying that it was induced from not having sleep, but like, I still really don't understand what happened with that, but it was a very pivotal moment in my life. Um,
0: but ever since- I'm sorry, Deja. Did did you? Oh, no problem. Um, did you admit yourself, or did somebody like a did did a family member admit you? Were you like willingly, you know, walking in there, or was this something that you were kind of
1: forced to do? Um, I kind of was withdrawn. I wasn't present, if you ask me. So my family did make the decision, and um, I think the officers that came kind of asked me a few questions and. Um, it's funny. I'm just going to throw this in there, but did you see the David Letterman with Kanye? I did that episode. Didn't. Oh, okay. Well, he explained the, the bipolar experience and I could relate to it a hundred percent. So it, it was something else, but after that, yeah, it was just bipolar on all pieces of paper. And at one point I talked to my psychiatrist and I'm like, do you really believe I'm bipolar? And he's an African gentleman, and he was like, if I didn't believe you are bipolar, I wouldn't be treating you for bipolar. And if you don't believe you're bipolar, then you might be able to go find another doctor that you know can treat you for whatever it is you think. But I'm like, people just don't understand. You can't just give a person medication that is for PMDD, but tell them they're bipolar and expect them not to be in a support group. And these women are like, yeah, I take this, this, this. And I'm like, hey, I thought that was for bipolar. I need to know that it can soothe my issues you know right, right. yeah so I was thinking that it wasn't even going to fix me but it could have but I just refused to take it because I thought it was for bipolar wow that's
0: yeah so talk about your so I know that you said that you were with a psychiatrist are you still with that particular psychiatrist have you found somebody else um, and how is that relationship now
1: Um, I haven't seen him in a little while. I've gotten to the point where he could give me three months worth of medication. Um, I do not have the desire to go back. Um, it's a tough decision only because, you know, you need your medication. So that whole starting over process would be really difficult, but again, I have no desire to go back. I would love to find another, um, psychiatrist, um, and the relationship has not been repaired. He does have a, um, like an assistant doctor. She's a woman. She understands more. So I kind of like working with her, but if you're not in the mood for the appointment, you're just not in the mood.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's so true. That is
1: true. You got to
0: be in the right mindset for that.
1: Mm -hmm. And he makes me upset, honey.
0: Every time? Is it every time you go or?
1: I think it's every time because when you feel like somebody's not listening to you or getting to the core issue or they're just like, okay, well you said that this did this, like as far as, um, Side effects, we'll just put you on this for another 30 days. Like, you don't know what these symptoms do to a person. Like, you keep making me take this pill, now this pill, and then I'm fat, and then I can't eat, and then this, and then everything seems to be like weight gain or being heavy is an issue to begin with. So it, it's just a sad situation.
0: Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like a very frustrating process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's in my best interest to move on.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's what it sounds like. Um, So when I know you said that you kind of had already been um, telling your doctor that you had PMDD and Mm -hmm. that, you know, was with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, like you mentioned earlier, sometimes OBGYNs don't quite get it which is odd because you would think that they would understand this fluctuation that happens once a month. And that can happen with somebody and have all these, you know, mental effects. And do you, when, what made you start looking at that in that direction?
1: That's a good question. And I believe I came off of birth control and I just came into this like new awareness So I could just feel everything and just the pain in my joints and the inability to be my best at work and um, my irritability with my partner. You know, I I love my partner to death and I just couldn't live with her sometimes. Um, Just the need to control everything and because I can't control my body. So it was it was so much. But the physical symptoms, I would say, were by far the worst, Um, the joint pain and the the loss of, uh, like my eyesight, like I could, my eyesight would change and things like that. And the, um, what is it called? When you can't sleep insomnia. Uh, insomnia was a big yeah. thing, but yeah, every, every month it was just something new. And I became a frequenter at the OBGYN doctor to the point where they'd be like, Oh, you're, you're here again to visit us. But it wasn't funny to me because I really needed help. And he really wasn't offering that
0: to me a little bit about the relationship between your psychiatrist and your OB and um yeah how, if, is that helpful is that not a good relationship as far as them working together for your PMDD uh
1: with my OBGYN I would say that he pretty much has nothing to do with my PMDD um he would have called it like regular PMS And with PCOS and PMBD having a lot of the same symptoms, um, I mean, a lot of times he was just telling me there's really nothing he can do without escalating. Recently, he um, escalated me to an endocrinologist. Um, I really do think I'm out of his scope of support.
0: Yeah, I I feel like that probably happens more than what people realize when it comes to doctors not really having the full range of, like you're saying, scope for different diseases or different conditions um i know i've kind of dealt with the same thing um with thoracic endometriosis a lot of ob's have never seen it before um Ooh. and they will tell you well i can take it this far but i can't really help you um pass that um or it's it's not comfortable it's not a great thing when <laughs> i think growing up we kind of think oh doctors are supposed to know everything
1: and everything the,
0: everything right not only are they supposed to know everything but we have to listen to everything that they say without question
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's
0: a struggle when you get you know older or you run into an issue and you don't feel like they understand you don't feel like they've ever seen anything like it um you don't feel like they believe you that's like the worst thing because like, this mm-hmm. is why i'm paying you is to right to absolutely
1: you. absolutely uh,
0: So I know that you mentioned, um, you also have PCOS um, and I don't, I know polycystic ovarian, I don't know the last letter. So tell us a bit about what PCOS is and then also how you um, got diagnosed with it.
1: Of course, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, the S stands for syndrome. Um, That was years and years and years ago And it happened because my cycle would not stop. I think I had it for eight months. I was a young girl. I did not have insurance because my mother, uh, she works for herself. So she really didn't have any idea of what could have been going on. And it took for a friend to say, hey, and it wasn't even a friend, it was a partner at the time. And she was like, "Um, I'm gonna support you through this. Um, We're gonna make you a doctor's appointment. Doesn't matter if you don't have insurance, we're just gonna go in there, we're gonna get it done. For the next three months, it went from weeks of insulin into my veins. I would have to do it um, every other week and then it turned into three weeks and then a month. So I had to get my insulin levels back up uh, because of all the blood loss. So it it just, the irregular period is what set things off. And um, I've been irregular since I was nine years old and that's when I started my cycle. so the diagnosis came with an ultrasound. So in the ultrasound, they look at your ovaries and basically they see all these cysts. But um, even in such doing my own research, I've learned now that um, PCO is a metabolic thing or can be, or it can be, um, it can be in um, what's that word, uh, a journal thing or an inflammatory thing or. Right. Prior to coming off the pill, it could have happened. So there's a lot that went into me getting this PCOS diagnosis, um, but that's one of the things that my OBGYN is telling me that cannot be fixed when I'm not looking for a fix, but I need the maintenance, honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. And <clears throat> excuse me. So, I mean, that's a long journey to eight months. Eight months is a long time to be- absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And being, and being a kid, I can't really tell you what symptoms I might've had. I can't really tell you any of that stuff because you're just on the go. You don't have that awareness that you have as an adult. So, um, it's really, really good that, you know, my friend could do that for me. And not only that, she opened the door for me to tell my grandmother. And then my grandmother was able to go to every appointment with me because, you know, my grandmother has always been so, so into my health, but that was a very hard time in my life a very hard time
0: yeah was your grandmother your main support system
1: yes yep outside of my friends and lover at the time yeah she was my main support system
0: yeah grandmothers are amazing like I was super close to my grandma growing (laughs) up and yeah they're like angels
1: Set. absolutely <laughs> Just for you. that's what it feels like. absolutely no that's um, what it is
0: <laughs> yeah exactly that's that is what it is even after they're gone mm. like they're still there watching over you um man so how did um what are some of the symptoms that you have now uh with picos
1: um so mm. the one that bothers me the most is the hair loss so they talk a lot about heritism, which is hair growth. So lots of women will get the hair growth on their face and just in areas where men would naturally get that hair growth. However, I have male pattern hair loss. That's something that bothers me the most. Um, the weight gain, of crow, uh, of course. Um, I don't have acne issues. Um, I haven't tried to conceive uh, because I am in a, a lesbian lifestyle. Uh, the painful periods and the irregular periods. Um, those are pretty much the basic things outside of what happens mentally, but I attribute that to PMDD mostly.
0: Right, right. Um, do you know anybody else that's living with PCOS and PMDD?
1: Um, I know people that I believe are, <laughs> but they won't right. believe it for themselves. <laughs> right. But uh, one of my close friends, she has uh, PCOS, uh, two of them, and I'm working on them aesthetically at the school, just to you know give them back that confidence Um, both of them do struggle with the acne and the heroism. right
0: Yeah. yeah um I know that you also talk I know that you're married and um talk to me about a little bit like does having PCOS and PMDD like how has that affected your relationships growing up and even like in the relationship that you're in now
1: Um, it's definitely something that a partner has to want to understand. Um, I'm thankful that a woman is my partner because I couldn't imagine, you know, having a man to truly want to understand this. I've dated men who, you know, feel like that's girl talk. So that's been really beneficial. The fact that she is who she is. Um, there had been a point in time where I almost felt like she should have been my caregiver because she loses sleep when I lose sleep. She has to physically help me do things that I cannot do. Um, But either way, no matter my attitude, uh, if it's I'm physically not there or I'm present or I'm angry, she's been a trooper for the most part. And it did take time to get to that place.
0: Yeah, that's a blessing to find somebody that is, will be willing to take you all of you, a hundred percent, you know, no matter where you're <laughs> at that day. Absolutely.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. And when I, even when I was admitted to the psych ward, I mean, she, the way she just got my family together for me was amazing. People, I mean, my grandmother walked through the door and I'm like, what is going on? My brother, oh my God, my mom, like, what are you? And she's like, you're going to be okay. Like, but I had to, I need help. I need help because it had gotten that bad yeah
0: that bad um so now as far as sharing your diagnosis with people um i know that for me just being able to to share with people the things that i go through just with thoracic endometriosis or with anxiety or with depression Mm -hmm. um sometimes that takes the first layer of shame that's you know comes with that stigma of your mental health not always being great um Mm -hmm. so do you share your diagnosis with friends and family that may not have known about, um, you know, the, the situation that you had before uh, being in the, in the psych ward, do you share that diagnosis?
1: Um, definitely I do my best to make it make sense. Um, I have found that with sharing with family, that some of the women in my family have actually been struggling, uh, with issues of the endocrine system. They just haven't said anything about what they've gone through to, either maintain or fix the issue altogether. A lot of them have had hysterectomies and things like that. So, in um, speaking of family, I found out a lot of things, friends have been just supportive. They appreciate the fact that I'm a, a woman who wants to advocate for herself. And some of them, you know, have come to me just realizing, you know, this could be me too, or friend, I need help, or what can I do for this anxiety or just anything like I'm, that go-to girl for a lot of people because I'm willing to speak out against mental health or about it, not against it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um,
0: that's advocacy and it's like, in its purest form.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: so as far as your mental health today or like, let's say this year, how Mm -hmm. do you feel like you have, you are better at managing your mental health now than you were before? Um, or do you think it's kind of the same? And then, yeah, is there anything specific that you think has changed in how oh. you manage your mental health?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I think a lot has changed. Um, I really create spaces for myself. I, I, people think isolation is a bad thing, but sometimes when you have to sit alone with yourself for a second, it's necessary. Um, coming out of the psych ward, I uh, adapted some natural coping mechanisms um, meditation. It wasn't taught to me. I didn't seek it. It just kind of came to me. Um, so that's uh, like one of those stimming things. If you know what stimming is. Um,
0: Can you talk a little bit about stimming? Cause I don't think a lot of people know it. Um, mm-hmm. like simulation coping, coping mechanisms.
1: It's like self soothing. So uh, when I got out of the hospital, I noticed I was making lots of circles on myself. So I would kind of just be like rubbing my body or I would be in my ovarian area kind of where your um, life center is. And I'm just rubbing that. And I had no idea what it was, but it took me to do that research to really know. Um, or like I said, the way that my body just kind of just went in to save itself. Mm-hmm. So those were things that were keeping me comfortable at the time when I was kind of out of my mind. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, it's yeah. so um, interesting because I saw a post the other day about stimming um, and stimming particularly in you know, in the black community and kind of things that, um, we do that other cultures may not do. And I, I was like, Mm -hmm. man, I I hadn't thought about stimming. I associated stimming with people with autism. And, um, that was just easy to recognize somebody that is stimming, trying to soothe themselves, whether it be rocking. Um, but it talked about, you know, how people used to make beats in class. And, you know, that one person that used to always, be rapping on the from one class to the next or even now if they're working they're like walking to the car and they're like rapping to themselves this new music yes uh, and, and i saw them and i'm like that is so true because
1: i've uh, always
0: seen like i've always seen that and always been like it must be something that we do to help like I don't know if it's easy anxiety or just to make us more comfortable in the moment, but I saw that and it makes sense that these Mm. things that we're either doing with our hands or with our voices, um, you know, they are to help us kind of like calm ourselves down. So it's so interesting that you brought that up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely rubbing on myself.
0: Yeah. And you see, I just remember like seeing like somebody's mom doing that to themselves, you know, like,
1: yeah absolutely
0: and yeah I guess out of nowhere that we yeah
1: mm-hmm. and you just pick yeah. it up like my little sister sucks her thumb still she's 29 and but that's just her comfort so yeah your body hopefully for most people will save itself will do its best fight or flight
0: yes yes definitely yeah. and I, I feel like we should lean into those things um that may not be traditionally seen as what's stimming for everybody else um, or what's Mm -hmm. self-soothing for everybody else like we should definitely lean into those but um, I know you said meditation um you know kind of like the making circles on yourself like anything else that you do now that maybe you didn't do before maybe you recognize that you that help you with your mental health
1: yeah. If, um, I am in pain, like usually it's, uh, the joint pain. So it's my arms, my neck, my legs. Um, I'm not supposed to have too much fruit, which is something I'm just recently learning, but, uh, the sun is a big part of healing. So I would literally just sit in the sun and, um, have some fruit, drink as much water as I can. And maybe three hours or so later, I can have a good day because I'm painless. So you don't have to pop ibuprofens and all these other different, you know, you can do it yourself. Uh, So that was one thing. I absolutely love baths. Um, That's something I post a lot on social media. Um, I do oil baths, goat milk baths, um, just getting into spiritual baths.
0: Goat milk baths? I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah, so soft to the skin. Definitely. It has some spiritual aspect to it as well, but it's just fitting for, you know, whoever is a spiritual being. Um, music, of course, um, I'm a poet. I love wordplay. So, music is a really big part of my life. Um, but in PMDD, sometimes I can't even listen to music because I need silence. So, I'll listen to like jazz or just something that doesn't have words. Um, let me think what else? Cooking. Um, I don't always have an appetite, but I can feed others, and that brings joy to the management of PMDD. It's really about pushing yourself to just do more do something that makes you happy or any of those things. And all that stuff is me creating space for my happiness.
0: Yes. And your healing. Definitely.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So let's go back to the role that you play. I, a uh, PMD in, yes. uh, I know that you are in PIP. So if there's somebody listening that may have listened to this episode or maybe the previous episode with Laura um, can you talk a little bit about um, if, like, what they should expect from IAPMDD as far as help um, and you know, kind of what they're offering? So,
1: of course. Um, so the website in itself is amazing. Um, everything is really straight to the point. Number one, if you think you have PMDD, um, there's a section for that. I think I have PMDD. There's a section. Um, for PME, which is an exacerbation, which people don't really know much about that um, either. And I think I do have some exacerbated symptoms. Um, You can just have a view of people who care about something as much as you do. And they've put all of their heart and soul into this. Um, The support groups, you can find podcasts. Um, They have a PMDD for teenagers so we can bring that awareness to our young women um, young teens before they actually get up to this point but they have so much to offer it's almost ridiculous and what they're offering me is more round table events more research events um, more opportunities to podcast just like I'm doing here with you and um, just to continue using my voice
0: yes I'm I'm Like, if you think that you have PMDD, definitely, like Deja said, go to the website. I went to the website and I was like, man, this is amazing. I have to get in touch with them. Um, I've been using the Meverse PMDD app for a couple of years now.
1: Um, Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I started to track it. Um, And it was just good it was a good feeling to feel like, okay, well, maybe there's a reason, you know, a rhyme and reason to why I feel this way at the same time every single month before my cycle. So I found it to be super helpful. Um, Everybody that I've spoken to at IMPMD is super helpful. Um, You guys are awesome. I'm really excited about the work that you're doing. And I'm so glad to see um, someone that looks like you and has the experiences that you have to be in those spaces in those conversations so i applaud you
1: oh thank you so much <laughs> thank you i greatly appreciate it
0: yes definitely and before we wrap up i just want to ask you one last question
1: Sure.
0: Uh, what affirmation would you give the younger you from 10 years ago
1: 10 years i hope 20 okay uh Delight in who you are because there's no person better than you.
0: Oh, that was good. Yeah. Delight in who you are because there's no person better than you. I love that.
1: Thank you. Okay. I might oh. need to put that on a post. <laughs> <laughs> like By all means.
0: <laughs> I'll tag you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um thank you so much for taking the time out for this conversation. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you being open and vulnerable about your experiences and, um, your advocacy now. And if there's anything, you know, I can do to help along the way, please let me know. But, um, yeah, I'd just like to say thank you so much for, for coming on the show and talking to us about, about your journey.
1: Thank you. Uh, It's been a a blessing being on this journey. And I'm just grateful that I have these opportunities and Black girls do have anxiety. So I'm glad to have talked about that with you. This was a safe, comfortable space.
0: Yay, awesome. That's what I love to hear. (laughs) Um, Thank you to everybody that tuned in to this episode. Um, We will go ahead and put Deja's information in the description if you guys want to follow along on her journey. Um, I know she's got a project deja why don't you shout out your project i know you've got a project called it's lit you want to tell us oh the
1: lighthouse it's lit yes uh that's my llc it's basically just a self-love movement currently at the moment i make uh natural products uh shea butters and body oils i have men's beer kits and things like that it's a project that i've been working on for a while so if you just follow me on instagram you'll see more of the lighthouse it's lit llc
0: yes support black businesses yes
1: yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you again to everybody listening thanks for tuning in to another episode of black girls have anxiety too we'll see you next time bye peace and love Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety Too. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety Too and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's anxious, B-L-K, girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.